Uh, Daniel 2, we're going to read a decent-sized portion of Scripture here. Uh, We're going to cover some ground tonight. We're going to start in verse uh, 14, and we're going to read down through verse 30. And 16 verses doesn't sound like much, but for our series, this will definitely be the biggest uh, bite that we've taken out of the book of Daniel. We've been been moving, I, I wouldn't say slowly, but methodically through the passage and I won't review all of chapter 1, but if you missed a couple weeks ago, we are in chapter 2, and Nebuchadnezzar has had this dream that troubled him immensely, and he, he wakes up, he can't remember it exactly, and we talked about his troubled soul and just the unending toll that it took on him, and he, he becomes impatient, he becomes angry, he becomes violent, he does all these things because no one can interpret his dream and no one can tell him the dream he had. And the magicians and astrologers and, and the, the wise men of Babylon try to tell him, King, this is an unreasonable request. You're asking us to tell you the dream and then interpret it. And no one asks that. No one, no one wants someone to do that. This is, this is a tall order and it's unreasonable. But he, he sticks to his guns and they can't do it. And he says, you know what? Off with your heads. He says, kill them all. He says, I'm going to cut you in pieces. I'm going to make your house a dunghill. This, this is the end. And we find in verse uh, 13, we'll, we'll look at that first, the decree. So the decree from King Nebuchadnezzar goes forth and the, that the wise men should be slain, killed. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. So we left last week with this kind of rut row raggy moment, like what is happening Daniel, this is, this is a life and death chapter. We think of the lion's den as life and death. And we think of the fiery furnace as life and death. But this is life and death. The decree has gone forth. There is an APB out on Daniel and his friends and all the wise men. There are wanted posters up on the wall now. Daniel and his friends wanted dead or really dead. That This is, this is the end for them. So now what's going to happen? We, we pick up in verse 14. We're going to read down through uh, verse number 30. And I want us, before we kind of break the passage down, I want us to get kind of a big picture of what happened here. So we'll read together uh, verse 14. So the decree goes forth, and then Daniel answered with count, counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said unto Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in, and he desired of the king that we, he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then... The secret was revealed unto Daniel in the night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven, and he enters into this this prayer of adulation, and he says in verse number uh, 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of the God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons, and he removeth kings and setteth up the kings. He giveth wisdom uh, unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee, and I praise thee, O thou, God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made, me, uh, has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. What a job description. 
you're ordained, kill them all. I, <laughs> I would hate for that to be my job description, but that was his. So he goes into Arioch, and he went, and he said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. And Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said unto him, King, I found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. And the king answered and said unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known unto King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter. And he that revealeth secrets, God, he that revealeth secrets, maketh known unto thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. I'll be honest, I knew this passage of Scripture was coming. I'm relatively familiar with the book of Daniel, and I've, I've read it through, and, and I've been just kind of chewing on it and reading it and reading it and reading it, and I had thought weeks ago that I would get to this passage of Scripture, and it would be an ideal passage for uh, a corporate prayer sort of, sort of passage. And I think that that's a valid application. We'll look briefly tonight that Daniel and his friends have prayer together. And that's, that's their only solution is to seek God. And I thought that I would come to this passage and I would find that that was the, what I would call the big truth. When I come to a passage of Scripture, and, and I would recommend the same for you, ask yourself this question. It's a simple question, but it's, it's tough sometimes. What's the big truth this is trying to teach me? Certainly there's a lot that we can glean and we will glean tonight, but the big truth, I was surprised, I, I don't think it was a lesson on corporate prayer. As, as I observed this and kind of let it just speak to me and, and see what the words of Scripture actually had to say, I was, I was a bit surprised. and Honestly, I was kind of disappointed at first that it wasn't on prayer because I wanted to do a big sermon on that. But here is what I think the emphasis of this particular passage of Scripture is, verses 14 through 30. And here it is. Wisdom received, not achieved. Wisdom, it's received not achieved. Let's pray tonight and we'll jump into this passage. Father, once again we, we praise you. I do want to take a moment and certainly ask for your help and your blessing. I would also like to take a moment and ask for your help and blessing on Joel and on Jesse and those little boys that are, um, that are doing well, best we know right now, but have a, a long road ahead of them. And I do pray that, you would, uh, that you'd help Mike and Janelle, that you'd help Joel and Jesse. I pray for this test tomorrow that it would reveal that there is, in fact, not bleeding on the brain and that they, they accomplish this hurdle. Lord, I pray for Mike and Janelle that you would help them and give them strength and grace and peace and, and help them to know how to, how to manage life and, and work and now visiting the hospital in the hours. And uh, I'm sure that their heads are spinning. And I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would give them grace. And most of all, we ask that you would prolong and that you would bless the, the lives of, of these little boys. Lord, you love life. We know that. And we pray that you would sustain and we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise because of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wisdom received and not achieved. There are four things that I want us to observe from this passage about wisdom. And the first is this, 
Daniel had the humility to see his need for wisdom. Daniel has the the humility and and almost the common sense just to see his need for wisdom. Look at, at verse 14. We find that this command goes forth, and here comes uh, this guy in, in verse 14, Arioch, who comes to Daniel. And Daniel, it says at the very beginning of the verse, answers this man, Arioch, the captain of the king's, king's guard, with counsel and with wisdom. So we find that Daniel already has some wisdom. We saw that in chapter 1, that God gave Daniel wisdom and interpretation of dreams, and God did these things. And Daniel answers with counsel and wisdom, and we find the complete opposite, like a 180 of King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is off his rocker. He's super temperamental. He is, he's so crazy with these wise men. But then Daniel is introduced to this scenario, and it's the opposite. There's counsel, there's poise, there's grace, there's wisdom as he answers Ariot, the captain of the king's guard. And, and honestly, that shouldn't surprise us, but this man Ariot that we're introduced to, uh, really, he has the same title, actually, as Potiphar. Joseph was sold into bondage for Potiphar, and Potiphar was the captain of the king's guard. And we, we don't know a lot about Ariot, but in my mind, I picture him to be kind of the opposite of Ashpenaz, who we were introduced to in chapter 1. Ashpenaz, the prince of the eunuchs, who's probably fair-skinned, probably tall, probably teaching and, and helping and instructing, uh, influencing the mind and the heart. Arioch, I picture this behemoth of a man that's muscle-bound, kind of a, a Rambo-esque sort of character, that it's his job to go around and kill people. Like, he is, he is the king's assassin. He is the executioner. He is a guy that is not to be trifled with. And I don't know, maybe he was little and he could just wield a sword really well. Maybe he was a, a big, huge monster. In my mind, I picture this, this big, huge monster of a man that, that, is, that is so... Uh, masculine and so violent, obviously, in, in order to be the captain of the king's guard. And here comes Arioch and kind of, you know, knock, 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 knocks on the door. And Daniel is completely oblivious to the situation. He, he opens the door, and I could imagine it, Daniel, you know, hey, big guy, how you doing, man? You been working out? Good to see you, Arioch. What, what can I do for you? And Arioch, I'm here to kill you. What? Like, what are you talking about? You're, hold on, time out, time out, time out, time out. Why, what's going on? I, I just don't, help me understand this, man. If you're going to kill me, at least maybe give me an explanation here first. And so the Bible says that Daniel answers with wisdom, and he asked Ariok, just why is the decree so hasty? Like, what's, what's the big rush here? Can you give us a little bit of time? Do you have to kill me yet? And the Bible says that Ariok, to my surprise, steps back, and he, he kind of, puts the sword back in the sheath, and he begins to explain to Daniel, well, king had a bad night. He, uh, he didn't get good sleep, and he had this dream, and he called him in, and these guys can't give him the interpretation, so he just said to kill everybody. And I can imagine Daniel getting this news just kind of wide-eyed, like, what is happening right now? Like, I just went to bed, and I woke up, I was having breakfast, and now I'm, I'm going to die? What, like, what is going on? And, and Ariok gives him this answer, and Daniel says, let me go talk to the king. I will, I will, I'll ask for some time. So we find in verse 16 that Daniel went in. He desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. And that, that actually strikes me, because if you remember in the beginning of the chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar was mad at the wise men. 
And he said, you're trying to trick me, you're trying to manipulate me, that you would gain the time. And he said, no, I'm not giving you any time. Give it to me now or you die. And that was, that was big to King Nebuchadnezzar. He said, I'm not giving you extra time. I think that you're trying to, to finagle this situation to a degree. And Daniel has the opposite approach. He's not trying to manipulate it all. He just kind of goes in and says, King, could I have some time? Just a very direct approach. And the Bible says that the king grants the time to Daniel and, and gives him this, whether he went in directly or whether he petitioned somehow and someone ran an errand and told the king for him. But the king gives him his request. And then we find in verse number 17, then Daniel went to his house and he made the thing known unto Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So imagine those three. You know, they're, they're sitting there studying their, their curriculum for their, for their Babylonian grad school. And they are, there went my mic right there. That just dropped right off my belt. We're going to adjust this. Give me just a second. I blame Jim. I'm just kidding. I don't blame Jim. He, hel he helps me mount up. And that was my fault. I put it on my belt. So we're going to, we'll just put it in the pocket. How's that sound? Does that sound good to you all? If, you, if you're in favor of the pocket, raise your hand. All right, good. It's carried. It's voted. We're there. We got it. So uh, Daniel goes in and tells his, his three buddies, I don't know if they're studying. I don't know if they're playing Xbox. I don't know what they're doing. But he goes in and he tells them, guys, here's what's going on. And, of course, that's shock and awe to their system that not only is Daniel going to die, but they're going to die. And here is, here's Daniel's approach to this scenario. Here is his uh, one only solution to this scenario. He tells Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, verse 18, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. A secret, something that has not been revealed, that they don't know the answer to. And their, their solution is to say, Lord, we don't know. You, you have blessed us and you've given us wisdom and you've helped us and you've seen fit to guide us every step of the way here. But God, we don't know the answer to this one. Daniel has this enough humility to, to step back and say, I don't know the answer. I have to go to God and I have to get the answer. This is what James 1.5, a very famous passage of Scripture says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And this is what we emphasize. Ask of God that God giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. And we love to, yeah, God, will, he'll, he'll pour you out a bucket of wisdom and he'll give it to you. But that verse is prefaced with if any of you lack wisdom. You have to have the mentality that, Lord, I lack. God, I don't have it. God, I don't know the answer. I don't know the solution. I don't know what the, what the best decision is here with my finances or with my family or in this particular scenario that, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, uh, how to adjust. I don't know what decision to make. I don't know what to say. Lord, I lack. In order to get wisdom, you have to be like Daniel first and, and have a lack of pride and some humility about yourself to step up and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I have this prayer all the time with, with my children. I don't know how many times, close to every night, that as Maggie and I pray and, and put Brennan to bed, and now we'll put two children to bed, Brennan and Willow, as, as we pray all of the time and say, God, I've never raised a two-year-old before. I don't know how to do this. Certainly, I, I'll do my best to read some books and to get some counsel and to talk to people and, and those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, it's, God, I've never done this. I need your help. I, I lack the wisdom. I lack the discernment. I lack the knowledge and the know-how 
to, to step up and to know how to handle uh, situations and, and conflict and, and what could come down the, the turnpike of life, that, Lord, I don't know how to do it and I need your help. And, and it'd be good for us to ask us this question, do we think that we have life figured out? Do you think you have parenting by the tail? You, you got it all under control? You've, you've been there, done that, maybe two kids are out of the house and you're on your third one and now I've, I've got it. And most of the parents in the room are probably thinking, no way, these kids, they are, they are surprising me every single day. But have, have we figured out how to have a good marriage? Really? Have we figured out how to walk the Christian life in the way that, that we're really supposed to? Have we figured out our future and our finances and, and how we're supposed to invest those and how we're supposed to steward those well? Have, have we gotten to the point to where we don't feel the need for God's wisdom? We don't feel that we need to ask for his help. We don't feel like we need to, we need to invoke him in prayer to help us. Ha, have we honestly, let's ask ourselves a big question, have we gotten so prideful that we can't step back and say, you know what, God, I lack. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing honestly, and I need your help, and I need mercy from you. I need you to guide me. Turn, if you will, I'll have you keep your finger in, uh, in Daniel 2, but turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. I don't have a life verse, nor do I have a life passage. Maybe one day I'll pick one and, and adopt it as my life verse. But if I was to get to adopt a life passage, right now this would be as close as I could possibly get in my life. 1 Kings chapter 3. Look at verse 9. This is the story of Solomon uh, being granted wisdom by God. 1 Kings chapter 3. Look in verse 9. 1 Kings is right before 2 Kings, if, if that helps you. 1 Kings. <laughs> look at... Uh, Look at chapter, or look at verse number, uh, verse number nine. No, look at verse number five. We'll do verse number five. And in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to, uh, appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, uh, ask what I shall give thee. So we have almost this, we have this perception of almost this magic genie moment where God shows up and says, Solomon, what do you, what do you want me to give you? Now, he doesn't actually give him a guarantee that he's going to give him this, but he does show up and, and say, you know, make a request to me. In verse number 6, Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept him for this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, and it is, it is this day. So he says, look, God, you've been good. You've been good to David. You kept him. Now I'm his son. I'm on the throne. You've been good to us. And then he says, verse number 7, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant me. King, instead of David, my father, and I'm but a little child. I know not how to go in or to come out. Solomon says, God, I can't do this. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know if we should go to war with the Philistines or not. I don't, I don't know if I should uh, help this person or not. I don't know if I should uh, spend the resources of the kingdom this way or not. I, I don't know how to build the temple. God, I, I'm like a kid. I don't know how to go in. I don't know how to, how to come out. Then he says this, verse number 8, And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that can't be numbered nor counted for multitude. He said, there's, there's so much here that you've given me. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. 
For who's able to judge this thy so great a people? It says, God, help me. Give me some discernment. Give me some wisdom here because I can't do this, but, but you can. Verse number 10. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing, I, I'm convinced that if he would have asked something else, God probably wouldn't have given it to him. But he says, because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked life, uh, the life of thine enemy. So you haven't asked for your enemies to be eradicated. You haven't asked for long life for yourself. You haven't asked for money. You, you asked for wisdom and discernment, and that pleases me. But thou hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Be, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. We love that passage, and we love Solomon, and we love to tout him as the man who, who was wiser than any other man outside of Jesus. And there's so much wisdom there, and, and, and God granted him this request. But that was all prefaced by Solomon saying, God, I'm like a kid. I don't know how to do this, God. I need your help. Could you just give me some wisdom? And if we entered into life with, with this sort of humility and this sort of God, we need your help. We don't know what to do. We don't know what the, right, the next step is. We don't know if I should or if I shouldn't or if this is right or wrong. It's a gray area to me. If we just entered into it with a little bit of humility saying, God, help me. We probably would be better off. You see that in Daniel. You see that in James. You see that in Solomon's life. That there is this, this inherent humility in this, this admitting that I, I don't know what I'm doing. And God, if you could help me, I could really, really use it. Socrates said this about wisdom. He said, true wisdom comes to each of us. And Socrates isn't Bible, by the way. But he was a, he was a good philosopher, I guess, as good as any can be. He said, true wisdom comes to each of us when we realize how little we understand about lives, ourselves, and the world around us. In, in the world's eyes, probably one of the, the wisest men according to worldly philosophy. And he said, true wisdom really is when you understand, you don't understand. You, you, don't, you don't have life by the tail. You don't, you don't actually know what you're doing. The more that you understand that, the wiser you can become. And that's the case with Solomon. It's a bit paradoxical that the wisest man that lived said, God, I'm not wise, and that's what made him wise. But that's what it is. He understood, I'm, I'm humble, and I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me, God. But then this, Daniel had not only the humility to ask for wisdom, but Daniel had the sense to know where wisdom came from. Daniel didn't turn to philosophy. Daniel didn't turn to Babylon. Daniel didn't turn to the wise men who couldn't interpret the dream. Daniel didn't turn to Nebuchadnezzar or to a textbook even. Daniel turns to God. Look in verse number 18 of Daniel 2. Flip back over to that, to that chapter. It says this in verse number 18, that they would desire mercies, yes, but of the God of heaven concerning this secret. Daniel, Daniel makes it known to his buddies that this secret is going to come from God, and if it does not come from God, then it's not going to come at all. And their solution is, I'm going to pray to God. And James 1.5 talks about that. Yes, if any of you lack wisdom, yes, but then let him ask of God. That this comes from God. It is supernatural in origin. It is, it is from him. Some people uh, say, that knowledge comes from learning and wisdom comes from living. But that's false. There, there are some people that get older 
and age shows up all on its own with no wisdom <laughs> attached to it. That now, I am, I am all for, I'm a young man, I'm all for seeking some counsel and getting some of the, the life knowledge from those that have gone before you. I'm really am for that, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But wisdom is inherent to age. Wisdom is inherent and is attached to God. Daniel is a very, very young man at this point. He's a teenager, but he, he knows where wisdom truly comes from, and Daniel's approach is not, you know what, I just got to live another 20 years, and then I can give you the interpretation, King Nebuchadnezzar. He understands that it doesn't matter he's a youth. It doesn't matter that he's young, that he can go to God, and that God is the only one that's going to be able to get them out of this pickle. And Daniel and his friends understand that the only way forward for them is on their knees. That is the only way that they're going to get the answer. It's the only way that they're going to get wisdom. And the day that we as a church family realize that the only way forward for us is on our knees, that is a day when big things start to happen. When we understand that we haven't figured it out. I understand and I love, we did Discover Membership class uh, just yesterday and, and Pastor Smith got up and talked about the history of Harvest. And I'm always amazed at the history, and you look at the pictures of, of the little buildings here and there and, and where the location was and how the church has grown. And I love that we can step back and we can say, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. But the day that we think we've arrived and we figured it out and we have this under control is the day that we sink. The only way forward is on our knees in a spirit of humility saying, God, help us. God, give us wisdom. God, give us direction. God, would you guide me? Would you guide my family? Would you guide my church? Would you guide the deacons as they are seeking out a pastor? Would you help us? Would you give us wisdom? We have to have an utter and complete dependence upon God. Because wisdom, yes, I'm for you. Read a book. I'm, I'm for you. Take a class. I'm for you to talk to someone older than you, but that is not a replacement for God. True wisdom is going to come from above. And Daniel and his friends understand that, and they seek out God, and they begin this kind of little corporate prayer meeting, just the four of them, saying, God, we're not seeking the textbooks. We're not seeking the Babylonian gods. We're not going to them. We're going to you, the four of us. We're joined together. Give us the answer to this. And, and they begin to, to pray together. This to me is very similar to Acts 12 when Peter is in prison at the command of Herod. And Peter probably is going to die. And the church, the Bible says in Acts 12, makes constant prayer for him without ceasing. They begin to pray and the shackles fall off of Peter and the prison doors open wide. And we know the story where he goes to the house and knocks and Rhoda answers and, and she says it's Peter but no one believes him. But they, that church had the understanding and they had the knowledge and the wisdom enough to know that our solution is only going to be from God. Our solution is only going to be if we corporately band together and we pray and we seek God's help because we don't have the answers. We don't have the solution. We're not going to be able to fix this. We need to seek God and we need to get his help. I was uh, reading through this passage and, and I, I'm trying to immerse myself in the book right now. And it, I guess it would have had to have been August the 2nd because I was reading Proverbs 2 that night. I, I had just uh, closed Daniel chapter 2 and just kind of reading through it, refreshing it in my mind. And I went over to the proverb for the day, Proverbs chapter 2, which we naturally think of Proverbs as this book where we can go and we can get wisdom. And it, and it tells us, uh, via Solomon and some other authors, that here is how to handle 
uh, the rich, and here's how to handle the poor, and here's how to handle this situation, and, and here's how to handle the strange woman or the evil man. And, and we think of this kind of uh, do's and don'ts and very practical wisdom, but something that jumped out at me that had never jumped out at me before in Proverbs 2, kind of the, the preface to the book, that it says this in verse 6. Solomon says, look, basically, read the book, great, get some wisdom, yeah, great, but, verse 6, the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He, God, is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of the saints. Then, when God gives it to you, when God does it, then thou shalt understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant into thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. That even Solomon was able to write to Rehoboam and say, look, Rehoboam, I'm going to give you all these things. I'm going to do my best to give you my wisdom, and I'm going I'm to pin it down for you. But understand this from the get-go. This comes from God. And it's only when God gives it to you that then you're going to have the understanding, the discretion, the judgment, the discernment. It's only when it comes from God. And Daniel and his friends know this comes from God. And verse number 19 says this. Then the secret was revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now I'm going to read uh, down through verse number 23, but we're not going to unpack that, that passage just yet. Here's why. Because Daniel has the revelation, and he gets this picture of what the dream was and what the dream meant. And it's out of that mindset that Daniel offers this praise, and Daniel offers this adulation, and Daniel kind of lays out God's portfolio of a sense and says, here is how awesome God is. But we haven't got to that part yet. That, that, that's coming in verse 31, where we're going to look at what was the dream, what was the interpretation? And I feel like that passage of Scripture will be more fitting for us when we understand what the dream and the interpretation was. These words will make sense. So I'm going to read them right now, and they do make sense, but they'll make more sense next week when we understand what the dream was. Because Daniel, at this point, he knows the dream. He knows the interpretation. God's answered the praise, given it to him. And that is what causes him to offer forth this, this gigantic praise to God and hopefully this will help us next week after we see the dream to do the same and it will provoke the same thing in our hearts. But here's what he says. He says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he, God, changes the times and the seasons. He removed the kings. And all this is going to make so, it's going to be so crystal clear uh, uh, next week. He uh, removeth the kings and setteth up the kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and I praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made unknown unto me what we desired of thee, for thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. So the point of this is, is mark it down, check it off. God comes through. God flexes his muscles. God gives Daniel the answer that no one else could find. All of the wise men of Babylon could have racked their brains and tried every trick up their sleeves, but they knew they couldn't get to this point. And I think Nebuchadnezzar knew they couldn't get to this point. I, I think Nebuchadnezzar knew that there, and inevitably those wise men had to have given him some sort of wisdom or some sort of here's what the dream meant before that was wrong. And I think that Nebuchadnezzar knew it was, it was a bag of garbage, the, the whole lot of them, and he didn't trust them. But Daniel gets to a point to where God has now answered his prayer, 
and he's done what all the wise men, the astrologers, and the magicians, all the Chaldeans could not do. God comes through, and he does it. I would say this, thirdly. Daniel, yes, he had the humility to ask for wisdom. Yes, Daniel had the sense to know where wisdom came from, but Daniel had the courage to share the wisdom he had been given. Daniel goes in verse number 24, and naturally he would. His life's on the line, and this is his only hope. <laughs> this, is, this is his only solution for not dying. So naturally he would, but he goes in verse number 24. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. There it is again. I just can't get over that, that he was knighted to go kill everybody. And he went in and said thus unto him, he said, Arioch, destroy not the wise men of Babylon, Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Now, I'm amazed at the confidence here. Daniel gets this from God, but Daniel hasn't had this validated from the king. If it, if it were me, I would maybe have this 5% of me that would think, I think I got the dream, and I'm pretty sure God gave me the interpretation. But what if I tell King Nebuchadnezzar, and King Nebuchadnezzar says, no, nope, not ringing a bell, man, kill him. Like, Daniel, Daniel has absolute confidence that this is right, and it's honestly probably a little more confidence than I would have personally had. But he says, Ariok, bring me in, man. Take me to him. I got it. Mark it down. Let's do this. So, verse number 25. Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him. So he, he hustles them in there fast because apparently there's some sort of deadline here where they're all going to be killed and the, the clock's going to strike midnight and it's all going to be over. So he says, let's, let's get on this, man. So they, they run in there as fast as they can. And said thus, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. And I love how Arioch is taking a little bit of credit here. He's like, king, I found him. I got him. You know, give me a pay raise. Bump it up a little bit. Maybe don't make me kill everybody next time. You know, he's taking a little bit of credit here. And honestly, he, he's, he's convinced that Daniel's convinced. If he wasn't, he wouldn't have taken Daniel in there and put his neck on the line. But Daniel's so convinced, he probably has even shared with Arioch, hey, here's what it is. I would doubt that Arioch just took his word and said, oh, you got it? Yeah, let's go in and I'll tell the king that you got it. He probably said, no, why don't you tell me first before I, put, before I stick my neck out for you, buddy. But Arioch goes in and says, king, I've got it. Here's the man. He has the interpretation. He has a dream. He wants to share it with us. And Daniel takes what he's been given from God and he doesn't put it in his pocket and, he, and hide it there. He takes this wisdom, he takes this uh, dream that he has been given, and he decides that I'm going to share it. Daniel doesn't have an us for no more uh, mentality. It's not me and Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, we're just going to be over here in our own little clique, and we're going to enjoy, and we're going to celebrate that we have this special wisdom from God, and we're not going to share it with anybody. And, and how fitting is that for us to understand that as we have the gospel as we have the truth, as we know wisdom personified, Jesus Christ himself, as we have that, we should be able to have the courage to share it with people. We should not, we should not hold it cl close to chest. We should not put it in our pocket and hide it. We should not just have an us for no more mentality that, oh, we're okay. We're pretty full here tonight. We don't need anybody else. We should have the courage to step up and have the, the wisdom that we have. And I'm for the general life wisdom of just here's some experiences I've gone through, yes, but more importantly than that is the gospel. 
That is, that is the truth that's going to set men free. That's the truth beyond all other truths is illuminating minds and hearts with the gospel of Jesus Christ that he died for us and he loves us and we are a terrible people. He is a great God and we need to point people to him and have the courage to show people that. Have the courage to tell people, here's what God has done in my life. Here's what he showed me. You know what? I used to be an atheist. But here's what, here's what God did to me. You know what? I, I used to think like that. But here's what God did to me. And Daniel has the courage to share some wisdom. But beyond just the gospel, I would say if you have lived life a little bit and you have some wisdom, certainly be humble about it. But we could use, honestly, as, as a young man, I'll just speak personally. I could use some older men that have some wisdom and just kind of rub off a little bit and share a little bit. The New Testament's big on that. Titus talks about the aged men and the aged women leading the younger men and the younger women in, in shaping them and impacting them and helping them. And, it, and if you are, we'll say, a little older than the younger, now what, however you want to cut that off, you just you cut it wherever you think. Maybe we'll say that's 31, okay? So wherever you want to cut aged off at, there is no exact number. But if you feel like, hey, that's, that's probably me. If you're in Bill Holland's class, then you're definitely aged, so I'll, I'll help you there. So <laughs> we'll make that one easy. But if you feel like that's me, don't shy away from having the courage to share your wisdom. There, there are some young people. I've been teaching the, the quote-unquote young couples class. We could use some of you all. We could use a, hey, do you just want to go get some lunch after church and talk and let us, let us share a little bit about you. Let us, let us give you some insight. We've been down this road. We could, the, the younger, could use some, let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's, let's talk about this. How are you doing? Don't shy away from that. Have the courage to step up and say, well, I feel awkward. I don't, I don't really know them. Are they going to be receptive to that? Try. Probably you'll be surprised and they will be. The worst that can happen is say, no, I, I don't have time to get the cup of coffee or something. But, but try. Use the wisdom that you've been given from God and use it for good. Influence people, yes, with the gospel, but just in general life. Edify the body together. Have an influence on your local church family and rub off a little bit. And Daniel has this, has this courage to go and to step up before the king, the man of the, of the whole world, the world ruler, the world ruler, to step up and say, king, I've got something from God. I want to give it to you. Lastly, I'd say this. Daniel had the respect to remember who gives wisdom. He, he knew it and he went to God for it, but he didn't take credit for it. God has, has recently, uh, there was one very specific moment here a couple weeks ago where God uh, worked me over on this area. I was, I was talking with a man of the church and, and he made this statement and I don't think there's any truth to it, but whatever. He, he said, you have wisdom beyond, uh, beyond your years to me. And I, I don't particularly like getting praise, and it just it kind of makes you feel off, awkward, and you don't want to be all prideful. At the same time, we all like it. We know that. But it makes me feel awkward, and, and in an effort just to kind of get out of it and change the subject and talk about something else, I said, you know, I have, I have great parents. They've, they've really uh, shaped me and helped me and influenced me, and I have, I have a great wife who, who helps me and sharpens me. And I, I kind of went that route and said, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that God has, you know, put those people in my life and, and the end. Just kind of change the subject as fast as I can. And wouldn't you know it, about half an hour later, I was, I was coming up to a meeting, and I stopped for just two minutes just to, to pray and say, God, 
would you give me some wisdom for this situation? Would you, would you give me some help? Would you give me the words to say? And wouldn't you know it, God, God squeezed my heart and said, well, he just told you that you had some, and you gave all the credit to your parents and to your wife. You, and I'm thankful for my parents and my wife. I am. But, but he said, you want, you want me to give you wisdom, and you just, you just missed the boat and an opportunity to praise me for what little wisdom I have given you already. And I had to go to that man and tell him, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. Really, wisdom comes from God. It's not, it wasn't my parents. I love them to death. I love my wife. But wisdom comes from God. And we, we have to step back sometimes. If, even if we have the humility to ask for it, even if we have, we have the sense to ask God for it, even in those scenarios, when it's given, we have to be very careful that it's not, oh, yeah, attaboy, I did this. Oh, yeah, I know, I'm good. Oh, I know, they helped me. I know it was, it was because of this situation. It was because of this scenario. No, it's because of God. God gives it. And Daniel has the respect to remember who gives it. And he takes no credit. He takes less credit than Arioch takes, frankly. He takes no credit and says, it's God. It's God. He did it. He did it. He did it. And look at, look at what he does. Verse 25. Daniel, or Ariot brought him in in haste. Daniel said, I can make the interpretation. Verse 26. The king answered and said unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? And Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. I don't know if the king's a bit taken back by this. And Daniel says, Look, we can't do it. But then he follows up and says this, But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and thy visions of, of thy head upon thy bed are these, O king. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed what should come to pass hereafter. And he that revealeth secrets, God, maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. So he says, Twice, he says, look, the wise men can't do it, but there's a God that can do it. Then he, say, then he says again, King, God is the one that reveals secrets. God's the one that does this. In verse number 30, he says, but as for me, this secret is not revealed unto me for any wisdom that I have any more than living. He says, King, this isn't about me. I don't have it. I don't have the ability. This is not some superhuman talent that I have. He says the interpretation to the king that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Daniel says at, at three different occasions, look, king, it's not men. It's not me. It's not us. It's not the wise men. It's God. God does this. And he begins to point King Nebuchadnezzar to God, to God, to God, that God has done this. God has come through. God has not only given me the dream and the interpretation, but God gave it to you in the first place. And God knows what he's doing, and God's ruling, and God's sovereign. And Daniel is going to start a process to help the king realize that there's someone above you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel is stepping up and he's saying, there, there, is, there is a God that stands above all else, beyond all flesh, that trumps all of your pantheon of Babylonian gods, and he is the one, and we'll find later on in the book that this is going to come to a culmination, and there's going to be this moment where, where God tells King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're prideful, you need to turn to me and acknowledge me as your superior, you need to acknowledge me as God, or I'm going to humble you later on in the book. But 
God is using this. God is using Daniel to influence and impact this man's heart to know that there's a God that's above us, that he is the creator, we are the creature. I know, King Nebuchadnezzar, that you are, you are the man. You can kill us. You rule the world. You are the man, but you're just a man. You are a creature. There is a creator God that is above all of us, and Daniel takes this opportunity. He doesn't shy away from it. He doesn't just give him the interpretation. He gives all the glory, all the praise, all of the wisdom, all of it to God and says that this is God's masterpiece. This is what he's doing, and we should never forget that real wisdom comes from God, what God has done in our hearts, that he brought us to a point that we understood the gospel, that that is him, that's all him. It's, it's, it's not us, it's not our own efforts, it's not our, our cumulative brain power. It's God and his wisdom. And Daniel has the respect to remember, it's God who gives this to us. So wisdom, it is received it is not achieved. Read a book, sure. Take a class, sure. Talk to somebody older than you, wiser than you, sure. But if you really want wisdom, if you really want to know what to do, you have to go to God. You have to have the humility to say, God, I lack. I'm like a child. I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. And when he does help you, when he does give to you liberally and upbraid not, give him the credit. Give him the glory, give him the praise, and point other people to him because of it.